Hey everyone, we continue our read through the New Testament, and today we are in Revelation 2, which begins the letters to the seven churches. The letters to the seven churches are prophetic oracles of paranesis, that is, of advice or counsel, praise and rebuke. And they follow the general pattern of command uh, to write to the angel of a given church. Two, they have a pronouncement uh, formula, thus says... Uh, usually some kind of formulation of one or another, combined with a self-description of Christ, drawn mostly from the imagery which he's already given of himself back in chapter 1. They include a statement of something that Christ knows about them, uh, generating a particular exhortation, commendation, and or accusation, all in light of Christ's second coming. A command to heed what the Spirit is saying to the church is given. And finally, a promise of deliverance is made to the one who overcomes, to those who persevere. And most of the letters draw on local circumstances which were peculiar to each region, though the connections are, are not always quite as clear as they are in other places. And so in chapter 2, we see four of the seven churches uh, described, with the last three being written to in chapter 3. So we'll go through each one, and we'll just make some comments after we finish the letter to each one of the churches. So the first we see is the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you had fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent... Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. All right. So in the letter to the Ephesians, the Lord here who describes himself in this as the one who walks among the lampstands, right? A, a picture of his authority over them and as, as he is the one in their midst. He knows of their dealings. He knows of their doings. He commends the church of Ephesus for their endurance, uh, for their doctrinal precision, for their lack of tolerance for the wicked and deceitful persons here. He refers to them as the Nicolaitans, which is this heretical group which probably held similar views to the teachings of Balaam and Jezebel, probably antinomians, uh, these who are who promote the grace of God in such a way that they argue that it allows for one to live a fleshly lifestyle, knowing that the grace will, will cover you no matter what. And this is obviously a heretical teaching. And the Ephesians know that it's heretical. And so they they are a church that is well-versed in the knowledge of doctrine, well-versed in the knowledge of scriptures. They despise uh, false teaching and wicked teachings that would lead people astray. But they have one rebuke against them, and that is that they have left their first love. And that if they don't repent of this, 
the Lord will remove their lampstand from its place, a picture of the remo- of a removal of the church itself, removing them, removing their position of influence within that city. Remember, that's the point of the lampstand. They are to reflect the light of Christ to the world. And if they are not doing that, then they need to be removed because they are reflecting something different. And so what does it mean, though, that they abandon the first love? Um, well, I, I think that as you look throughout these the scriptures and primarily in the teaching of this and primarily with the rebuke that they receive, the, the warning that they receive of the lampstand being removed, I think the first love is that they have left their desire, abandoned their desire for outward witness, right? They are not witnessing the way. Their love for witnessing, their love for going out and gathering. This is a church that has basically citadeled themselves. They have fortified their church building, fortified their doctrine, but they have no love that extends towards others. And that love is primarily seen in a desire to witness and entire to do evangelism. And if they will not be a light, if that first love of evangelism and witnessing and seeing souls gathered for Christ, if that love is lost, then that's just a picture that the light is not there. And that's why Christ warns them that if they don't repent, if they don't reestablish, reaffirm this love for going after others, their lampstand will be removed. Now to the church in Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Alright, so the Smyrnians are characterized by social poverty, right? They, uh, they have refused to partake in the idolatry of Rome, the Roman Empire, and because of that, they have been barred from certain aspects of commerce. They are under persecution. They are facing uh, major oppression from the community around them. Yet, in the midst of their, their social poverty, they are spiritually rich, we read. They are involved, uh, they are involved in tensions with local Jewish groups who denounce the church to local authorities. Basically, you have these unbelieving Jews, these these Jews who reject Jesus as the Messiah, who are the ones who are personally going out of the way to sell out these, these Christians to, and, and make it clear that they believe something different. So they are going to the authorities and turning these Christians in. They, we, we are told here that they are called the synagogue of Satan, right? And John is indicating that these Jewish leaders have become accusers. That's why they belong to the synagogue of Satan. They've become accusers of the brethren, right? They have become accusers of those who seek to walk faithfully in the Lord and to bring pain and sorrow and suffering with them. They have sided with Roman idolatry against the Messiah's people. A picture of what was reflected at the crucifixion itself, or prior, right prior to the crucifixion when... Pilate brings out Jesus and inhales him as the king of the Jews. And, and what do the Jews say? We have no king but Caesar. They have sided with Roman idolatry. 
And because of this, the Smyrnians are going to continue to suffering. But this suffering will be temporary for 10 days, which I just believe here is a picture of a short time that they will face tribulation. And for many, this will be unto death. This is, the, this is what will lead to it. They, but, but they must may stay faithful. And if they stay faithful, even unto death, they will receive the crown of life. A crown which those who receive will never be hurt by the second death, that which lasts and is eternal. To the church in Pergamum now. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give him some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So Jesus addresses the church at Pergamum from his position as one bearing a sharp double-edged sword, symbolizing his role as a judge. The church has remained true right there where, the, where Satan was enthroned, referring to the altar of Zeus and the imperial cult that was strong there. But there is false teaching and a moral practice in the church, and its members must repent. Paul had permitted believers to eat idol food as long as it did not offend a fellow believer and was not consumed in a pagan temple. John, however, took a harder line, forbidding the consumption of any meat associated with pagan sacrifices, primarily because of the way in which it was such a symbolic piece of idolatry within this community. Where some of the Jezebel, where some the Jezebel of Theratyra and the Nicolaitans of Pergamum were attempting to secure the participation of Christians in this social and economic life. Oh, just come be like us. We want you to fit in. We want you to be like us. We need to we need to take on aspects of the world in order for the world to receive us. For John, true faithfulness requires the church to adopt a separatist disposition, a holy disposition. If the believers in Pergamum avoid this idol food, they will be given hidden manna, a white stone with a new name written on it. That is both nourishment and protection. The judge will provide for them and he will protect them in the age to come. So they don't need to go after the bread of this world that will rot and perish. They are to go after the hidden manna which Christ alone can provide. Finally, to the church in Thyatira. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, whose eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, 
And those who commit adultery with her I will throw into a great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you as your works to serve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who, heard, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay any on you any other burden, only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received for, for authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Here we see this very interesting letter here that closes out chapter 2. The church in Thyatira is praised for many virtues, but then is scolded for tolerating immorality, represented by the figure Jezebel. As one scholar observes, for John, the influence of Jezebel within the Christian community is the microcosm of pornea, immorality, that has taken place on a grander scale in the Roman Empire. Those who resist this idolatry, this pornea, this sexual immorality, sleeping, committing adultery with the world, both spiritually and politically, giving their hearts and loves and affections over to this worldly system, laying in bed with her, the system of which John will later in this same but refer to it as Babylon, the great prostitute. This worldly system which we seek to give our love, our, our affection, our, our, our hearts to, which only leads to destruction. It only leads to dead children. They must repent and turn away from her. They must walk away, for if they do not, they will face the tribulation, the judges that she, the judgment that she will face, the great plagues that will come against her. They are to come out of her, Revelation 18 will say. Flee from her, abandon her, and come to the bridegroom, Christ Jesus. For those who have not followed, the call is to stay, stand firm. Hold on to what you have because the one who conquers will remain faithful in the end and they will be on the redeeming end of the judge who is coming to bring destruction to all the wicked who have, who have gone against him and who have committed adultery against him with the world. They will receive Christ himself. And those who have an ear, they are called to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As we wrap up chapter 2, we've seen this church. We've seen the church that is doctrinally astute, but has lost a heart to go after the world with the gospel. We've seen a church that is faithful, faithful in the midst of pain and sorrow. And the call is just to stand firm, hold fast, though you will be persecuted. We have seen the church who holds fast in the midst of the wickedness, in the midst of persecution, but has also allowed immorality to creep into its midst. The call is to purge the evil from among them. And then we saw the church in Thyatira 
who once again, very similar to Pergamum, has those who are dabbling and playing with the world, finding themselves getting caught up in sexual immorality and wickedness, committing affair, love affairs with the world, as opposed to being faithful to the King of Kings. In the midst of all of this, every description that the Lord gives is specifically fitted to meet the needs of the church he is referring to. And the reason why that's important is because no matter where your church may be in the midst of that, wherever the church is in the midst of that, Christ is and he provides exactly what we need to endure to the end. So let us look to Christ and hold fast to what we received, receiving the loving rebuke he gives, repenting where needed, and standing firm unto the finish, looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our salvation, who is and who provides everything we need in order to obtain glory in him. God bless you.